coming from the criminal side of the house, going dark is turning everything off. I think in some areas, so if they turn, if a vessel turns off its AIS, that leaves something else on that's trackable, we either call that a grey ship or, an un, or we've seen an uncooperative vessel is a type. So essentially we track them all. In terms of how big is the problem and who's dealing with it, it's an enormous problem. Welcome to the Shoreline Maritime Risk Podcast. In each episode, we'll look at real-time case studies, current events, and speak to the experts dealing with critical risks at sea. What really happens when a crisis strikes at sea? And what can you do to protect your ship? My name is Nick Madalena, and I'm very pleased to welcome Brendan Moore and Eric Anderson in joining me for this episode of Shoreline's Maritime Risk podcast, entitled how commercial satellite data can provide actionable intelligence in the maritime domain. Synmax is an intelligence and analytics company with a core focus on maximizing the value of satellite imagery. Built on a foundation of high-end technical experts, they've added intelligence professionals and imagery analysts from a variety of Five Eyes military and law enforcement agencies. And for those of you who are not sure, Five Eyes constitutes Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the UK, and the US. Brendan Moore has spent almost 18 years working within the intelligence field, combating organized crime for the UK government across drugs importation, firearms, and cyber. He's taken this expertise in intelligence and tackling criminality into Synmax as CEO. Eric Anderson is Synmax's chief technology officer. Prior to joining Synmax, Eric worked in the energy trading industry for 10 years most recently as a quantitative analyst, developing models used for commodities trading. At Synmax, he leads a highly skilled team of data scientists, machine learning engineers, and GIS engineers from a diverse set of industry backgrounds, including financial trading, energy, and earth observation. Great to have you both join me this afternoon, gentlemen. Uh, Maybe I can start by asking Brendan, what do we actually mean by actionable intelligence? Thank you, Nick. So coming from the public sector into the private, um, I've noticed there's a there's a bit of a problem with the analytics industry as a whole. Um, Essentially, what is normally offered is an interesting fact or an interesting information, Um, not necessarily uh, intelligence that has a usable endpoint. So the solution that we've taken up is a stronger mix of intelligence and technical professionals working as one team with a focus on real-world impact over over that kind of just an interesting tidbit that's nice to know, but what does it lead to? What can you do with it? Can you actually use it in some way? Okay, so so how then how then is is actionable intelligence actually delivered? And um, and what difference does it make in the in the maritime domain in your opinion? Okay, so intelligence fusion is always key, um, but our focus is primarily on the imagery side that satellites can provide. So what does, what does it give us in terms of actionable intelligence? What does that mean? So instead of providing a customer with a prediction, it can be a really accurate AI model that's predicted something. Well, what can you do with that? You can't, you can't use it in court. You can't deploy on it. You're not going to phone up a, um, a high-value customer and accuse them of something based on a machine's prediction, essentially. So what we provide is we go that step further. 
we also have the predictive models. We get to, you know, we, we predict where vessels are going all around the world on a massive scale. Uh, we can ingest um, 17 million kilometers worth of over ocean. Uh, you know, that's the kind of scale we're looking at. But the key bit for us is we provide images. Now, the images give you something tangible, something you can use, something you can hold up that says, no, we're not saying it was probably here. We're saying it was here. We can also, using that, essentially roll back time. So again, it's very interesting telling someone that um, yesterday or the day before or, some, or a week before that, something bad happened. But what can they do about that? They can't parallel. They can't evidence that because it's already happened. So our system, essentially what we try and do is we give the ability to roll back time because we're ingesting everything all the time. You can go backwards and look at that bad event, gather the, gather the actionable intelligence retrospectively and use it in any way you see fit. That's very interesting. So, so what I'm hearing is that uh, is that it's 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 not just the so what uh, behind the data. You're all, you're also delivering some form of uh, some form of tangible proof where, which can be relied upon. Has the available data been derived? Is it is it more accessible today? I mean, we're, we're talking about satellite data. I'm guessing is it is it more accessible today than it has been in the past? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, this data set did not exist as recently as five years ago. You know, and to, to understand what we're talking about here, um, Thea, which is our maritime intelligence product, it really focuses on two different kinds of data sets uh, because we aim to be both wide and deep in our coverage of maritime domains. So the first one is we capture medium resolution, about five meter optical imagery over an enormous area of the ocean. Eventually we wanna try and capture the entire ocean. And to do that, we're using a constellation of over 200 satellites to get about one picture a day. You know, the ocean is very large, and so we use that to our advantage in the fact that we have the opportunity on a typical voyage, which can last multiple days, to capture a vessel any number of times. And then from those optical images, when we capture a vessel, we can tell things not only about the identity of the vessel, you know, very likely make a positive identification just from medium resolution imagery. But we can also definitely tell the speed and heading, which lets us know where it's going to be so many hours in the future. And that's where our second data set comes in, which is higher resolution, more highly available, either radar satellite data or higher resolution optical data, depending on if we want to capture an image day, night, cloudy, or what type of weather conditions. Um, and that follow-up is what lets us definitively always capture the vessel and make 100% positive identifications of it. Our goal with this product is really to make sure that we're being both wide and deep. We can cover a huge portion of the ocean for the discovery of dark vessels, but we can also follow it up with high fidelity data that lets us know exactly what it is and where it's going. Okay, so um, and what I'm hearing from what you're saying is that uh, um, satellite data has become significantly more more accessible. Is that just availability, number of satellites, or or is it an affordability issue? It's both. So, like I was saying, in the last five years, a lot of things have changed in the commercial satellite industry. You know, it wasn't that long ago that satellite imagery was something that was only available to governments, and that has changed in a very short period of time. So what caused that change are really two things. One, the proliferation of what are called CubeSats, which are much smaller, cheaper, easier to manufacture satellites that fly in a very low orbit to get the same type of optics that a traditional larger satellite would when it's flying in a higher orbit. And then two, launch costs. Uh, I'm sure all of your listeners know of the company SpaceX, which has really changed the game in satellite launching and brought those costs down significantly. So as those two factors 
put pressure on the ability to cheaply deliver Earth observation data. We've seen a proliferation in the number of Earth observation companies that have come out of Silicon Valley and all of the Western world. Um, and you know, the fact that we have all of these companies that have launched these huge constellation of satellites means that Synmax is in a position to purchase enormous amounts of data, which wasn't even possible five years ago. So, I mean, if you were to look into the future, then the next five years, is it is it going to become even more accessible and more affordable? I think so. The resolution and frequency and availability of these satellites is going up and the cost is going down. We're seeing it over and over and over again. I have my own personal beliefs about the satellite market, which do not necessarily reflect the beliefs of Synmax, but I think this market is overbuilt. Um, I think we're just coming off the heels of a lot of cash infusion into the tech sector, and there have been a lot of tech companies that have invested very big in huge constellations of satellites. And uh, it may be just a little bit early. There's not quite enough customers to ingest this volume of Earth observation data, so the prices continue to come down, 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 um, and Synmax is taking full advantage of that. No, fair enough. It'll be interesting to see what, what happens with uh, with all those tech companies over the next few years, I'm sure. So on the basis that uh, just over two thirds of the Earth's surface is covered in water, which uh, by any by anybody's uh, stretch is a huge, a huge area for satellites to monitor. I wonder, you know, how, how does the application of data science allow us to extract insights from such a vast volume of data? Because it must be vast. And I, I guess Eric, I'd also like to to know. I'd like I'd like to put like to put something to bed for for all those spy movies out there, which would suggest that satellite uh, imagery is real time and you can spot anything happening at any point in the world in in minute detail. Is you know how how realistic is that? Yeah, Nick, I'm sorry to say that there are a number of things that the spy movies get wrong about satellite imagery, and the real time component of it is one of them for now, but it's changing. Um, another one of the big ones is, you know, you see the, the the spy movie where they have, you know, an apparent live view video feed at very high resolution of any point in the Earth that they want. That's simply not the reality. To get that, you would need what is called a geosynchronous satellite. Those sit in an extremely high orbit. And so um, when you want to take a high resolution picture from space, there's only two levers you can move. You can move the size of your optics, right? Larger optics can take a better picture and you can move how close you are to the target. So sitting in that geosynchronous orbit, you would need optics, something on the scale of the Hubble Space Telescope to get a very high resolution image of the Earth. And so these satellites that are taking these real high resolution photos, like the one you're seeing in spy movies, they sit in a much lower orbit. And because of that, they're moving much faster. They circle the Earth every 90 minutes. So you're certainly not gonna get a live feed of a point in time for more than a few minutes at a time. Right. And then the second one, the real time component, that's actually one that the industry is working on solving. So the current generation of satellites in space, they use what are called ground stations. Uh, most typically they fly in a polar orbit, which means they move from the North Pole to the South Pole and back again. Right. Um, and the ground stations are at the poles. And so every 45 minutes when they reach one of the poles, they can downlink information. So it is on a lag. But the good news is that the next generation of satellites that's going up right now, they are going to be using Starlink, which I'm sure your listeners are familiar with. That's, again, Elon Musk disrupting the space industry. Um, that is a huge constellation of communication satellites that really are going to let the next generation of satellites give you a real time, um, you know, maybe with a few microseconds lag view of whatever you want to look at on the Earth. So we're really excited about that technology. And that will be one area 
where the spy movies will finally be correct. And then your uh, your, your first question was asking about, um, you know, just the volume of data that we have to process, the fact that two-thirds of the Earth's surface is covered in water. You're absolutely right. That's one of the technical challenges that Sidmax has solved, which we're very proud of solving, right? So, um, you know, everybody, I think, is aware of the fact that there is something called machine learning, and you can do object detection with it. You can take a, a picture and feed it into a computer and say, find me all of the X, Y, and Z objects, and we can do that very performantly with today's technology. Um, but the challenge is that it is extremely computationally expensive to do that kind of analysis. And so, you know, the the order of data that we're talking about when Synmax is covering an area of the ocean as large as 12 million square kilometers every single day, that is terabytes per hour, which is just a fire hose of data coming through. So the naive approach of simply taking these you know, terabytes per hour of data and feeding them into a computer to give you out you know, the ships um, is, is going to be cost prohibitive. You have to use what are called GPUs, and they're extremely expensive. So the, you know, the key technology advantage that Synmax has developed um, is that we're able to do this type of detection very reliably with more computationally efficient algorithms that we have developed, um, because it absolutely is like finding a needle in a haystack. You know, out of out of a hundred images of the ocean, ninety nine of them will just be water, and one of them will contain a ship in it for so any given area of the sea. So, without without data science, uh, it just wouldn't be possible. No, not unless you want to look at you know a lot of pictures of the ocean every day. Brendan, is there anything you'd like to add to that? I'd also just mention that um, it's not just about seeing a ship, it's about attributing that ship. It's, it's you know, there's there's huge amounts of ocean with very few ships in them, but then just as hard and to, to, to really support what Eric and the technical side have done, attributing knowing what ship is, that is, is absolutely mind-blowing, right? How does the computer know that? So one of our uh, philosophies has been about we're not looking for the algorithms to be, you know, what a lot of people call AI, but I know uh, isn't a popular one within our company. Term. Um, I think we're not looking for it to be smarter than the best possible imagery analyst, but we're looking for it to be a million times the best possible imagery analyst. So it's like a warehouse um, of imagery analysts all going through this data simultaneously. Uh, understood. Um, I mean, that's that's a good lead-in actually to to the next question I want to ask you, Brennan. So. You know, there's an increasing amount written um, in in the you know the, the the press, mainstream press and trade press about vessels that uh, that go dark um, basically uh, by hiding their AIS uh, signals or even radio frequency signature. Um, how, I mean, how big a deal, in in your opinion, how big a deal is that in real terms, and and who in the maritime domain is is most interested in in these vessels that go dark i mean is it just government uh, or is it a commercial issue as well i think first of all i'd like to define going dark um for us because i think it, it means that different things different people um coming from the criminal side of the house going dark is turning everything off i think uh in some areas so if if they turn if uh, a vessel turns off its ais that leaves something else on that's trackable we either call that a grey ship or, an un or we've seen an uncooperative vessel is, is a type. So essentially, we, we track them all. In terms of how big is the problem um, and who's dealing with it, it's an enormous problem. And if it was on land, there'd be uh, countries would be united against it and uh, many more billions would be spent. Because it's on uh, the maritime domain, 
it's a different kettle of fish, as it were. So essentially, it is both a commercial and a government problem. You've got uh, illegal fishing costing billions and having real environmental harm and serious harm to developing nations as well, which essentially get bullied out of their own fish trade. You have uh, a variety of fraud types, uh, insurance, contract fraud, etc. Um, sanctions evasion. Now, all of these, essentially, there's there's one big solution to this of what are the vessels doing out there? Let's stop them going dark, stop them going invisible. But a variety of different, uh, both method methodologies on the criminal part and the funding chains, uh, funding supplies from government and commercial, extremely fragmented and difficult to coordinate. No, understood. So, I mean, you know, linking linking together uh, what we've just discussed, you know, technology is obviously evolving. Data availability is increasing dramatically and uh, all the time. So, so Eric, is 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 all this making a material difference in being able to monitor illicit shipping behaviour? And what are the what are you, what are the ongoing challenges you know for 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 it going forwards? Yes, I, I think it, we are on the precipice of it making a very big difference. You know, like Brendan was talking about, the ocean has long been a place for illegal activity. It's very big, it's very poorly monitored, and it has, for a criminal, convenient legal ambiguity when it comes to prosecuting anybody. But the technology is evolving, like you said. Satellites are becoming more frequent, the resolution is becoming higher, the coverage is becoming better, and so illicit activity, you know, things as benign as a vessel cutting a shipping lane, maybe going into a marine protected zone, something that they could do very easily just by switching off their AAS and navigation system and you know, going dark to all of the traditional methods, to things that are far more pernicious, like human, drug, and arms trafficking that all happens on the ocean, um, you know, all the way to sanction violations. Um, the technology that has traditionally been used to monitor these has always relied on active emissions from the ships, whether it be the AIS or whether it be radio frequency detections from the ship's navigation system, which is what a lot of the uh, um, existing satellite constellations that do maritime surveillance have been focusing on. You know, this technology that Synmax is releasing, which relies on optical data, SAR data, um, these are things that cannot be uh, controlled by the actors themselves. They can switch every single electronic device on in their vessel, and we will still get a picture of them. You know, we will still get a radar reflection of them. Um, so yeah, the technology is evolving, and I believe it, it, is, it is very close to making a huge difference in um, the ability to hide illegal activity on the sea. And the, and the ongoing challenges going forwards, again, asking you to peer into the future with your your your, your perspective. But I mean, the, the, on, the ongoing challenges that, that may or may not be overcome going forwards. Certainly. Yeah. So um, I think the biggest one, of course, is cost. Um, you know, this technology is still new. And as with any new technology, um, it has not gotten very far down its, uh, its decline curve yet. Right. Um, you know, when I talk about how the price of imagery has been falling over the last five years, well, that's still a relatively small scale and it has a long ways to go. So to make this kind of technology available to all the participants um, in the maritime space, right, you know, clearly wealthy countries can very easily afford um, to purchase commercial satellite imagery and, and have a company like Synmax, you know, deliver insights into it very easily. 
um, but we want to make it accessible to everyone. Um, you know, Western African nations are some of the most um, abused when it comes to illegal fishing by uh, you know wealthier nations, and um, Synmax is is taking a huge step towards making you know, the kind of monitoring that can stop this much more possible. But we need those input costs to come down further to make sure that this technology gets adopted widely enough um, to make a difference. Otherwise, it'll, you know, it'll just be one country adopting the monitoring technology and the illegal fishing fleets just moving to the country next door that can't afford it. No, understood. So, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about uh, dark shipping activity and you've, you've mentioned illegal shipping. Uh, you know, are there, are there other areas? I imagine there must be. I mean, what, what are the other areas where you believe that, that satellite data can literally shine a light uh, in the maritime domain? You know, I mean, maybe, you know, talk to us about global energy supplies. Um, you know, can it monitor green energy? I mean, what are the other areas where where your capabilities going forwards are going to be able to, uh, you know, to, to, to solve a problem or, or answer a question? Yeah, so a couple of points on this. Um, first of all, there is a type of technology called hyperspectral analysis. Um, sounds complicated. All it really is is we're using the non-visible light portion of uh, radiation, which can be picked up by these satellite cameras to do a special type of analysis. And with that, we can very reliably see emissions, uh, carbon, methane, sulfur, um, a lot of the aerosols that we're concerned about when it comes to the shipping industry. Um, the shipping industry still heavily, heavily relies on bunker fuel, um, which is a, a very dirty kind of bottom of the barrel stuff that comes out of the refinery, but it's also extremely cheap. And there is a transition underway to move at least some of the larger vessels over to LNG. Uh, liquefied natural gas, which is a much cleaner burning fuel. And hyperspectral analysis could play a big part in monitoring the adoption of that and ensuring that those who say they are using it are actually using it. So it creates a system of accountability. Um, and then the second one is, you know, we talk about energy transition or energy monitoring. Most of the vessels that move energy around the globe stay light, especially LNG vessels. Um, there's obviously dark tankers that move, um, you know, from Iran into China and North Korea and so on, um, but most of those tend to stay light. Um, but where the problem comes is that a lot of companies are saying we are going to use what is called responsibly sourced gas, gas that is um, derived from methods that have been proven to be minimally envir environmentally invasive. Um, and so those LNG cargos that are supposedly carrying responsibly sourced gas, again, they, they lack accountability because the AIS system that is being relied on is so easy to spoof. So um, you know, our technology offers a way to accountably track and know for certain that responsibly sourced gas cargo um, is, as they say it is, um, sourced from, uh, uh, from, from the methods that they're claiming. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's fascinating. Um, Brendan, you know, in, in light of everything that we've, we've discussed, what do you think um, is this future of the satellite, you know, the commercial satellite industry and the value it can create in, in monitoring world activity? Google Earth kind of introduced the general population into what satellite imagery looks like, right? The problem with that was essentially it's it's normally years years out of date. It's, it's beautiful. It goes in depth. You can zoom in and out, but it is is quite out of date. The journey we're currently on is um, the, well, the next step is imagery on demand, where it's accessible to everyone. Uh, the key component to maximizing the value of that is 
essentially analytics and intelligence companies like Simmax sitting making sense of all that imagery. There's no human that can go through it all. It's it's on demand, but it's vast. And to, to get some answers out of it, rather than further questions, you have to have subject matter experts educating systems that can answer those really difficult problems, both on a strategic and a tactical level. Now, an, an example would be, for instance, we've talked a bit about illegal fishing, not picking out a single fishing vessel that happens to be illegally fishing, but likewise, not just p- picking out an area in the past that has been subject to it. What people want, what we've seen countries and industry want, is triaged, who are my worst, t- who are the most 10 impacted vessels in this area? What's the company behind them? What's the plan to, to basically stop this happening? And that's what we can provide off the back of imagery. It's that, That's an example from illegal fishing, but it's going to be across all markets. Um, this kind of on-demand imagery is going to change the world in ways it's very difficult to predict at the moment. Well, that's uh, that's that's been really uh, interesting, gentlemen. I, I I'm going to take away a few things from from our conversation today. I I'm going to feel very learned when I when I mention hyperspectral analysis. Um, I'll just have to hope that nobody actually asks me what it really means. But I do know from today is that that's going to have a significant impact upon monitoring green energy going forwards um, emissions. And I, I guess to, to to sum up, it's pretty pretty clear that the accessibility of satellite data is going to increase dramatically, and uh, you know the applications for it in in you know you know spans beyond obviously the maritime domain, but within the maritime domain, you know there will be there will be significant application to it. So I think. Thank you very much uh, to both Brendan and Eric for for participating today. And thank you to all of Shoreline's uh, podcast listeners uh, for listening to this. By all means, uh, if there are any any feedback or comments uh, to this podcast, then then do please please come back to us. But uh, Brendan, Eric, thank you very much. And uh, I will look forward to catching up with you again. Let's let's maybe do this podcast again in uh, in a year's time or two years time and, and we can talk about the, the developments. But thank you both very much indeed. Thanks, Nick. Looking forward thank to it. Thank you. We'd like to thank the show's sponsor, Maritime Insurance Solutions Limited. The world and life at sea is changing daily basis. Shipping companies and owners are facing evolving threats from political risk to increased maritime cyber risk. Shoreline has the maritime insurance answers you need to make sure your company is covered when crisis strikes. Shoreline are providers of specialist maritime cyber crime and crisis response insurance policies. To learn more about specialist covers, visit www.shoreline.bm.